Hello, everyone. I hope all is well. This is the third episode of the Health Aspect Podcast. I wanted to give a quick introduction to this. I introduce it during the podcast, but um, I just want to talk about why I decided to do this podcast. Um, This podcast is about hunting, and uh, there's a lot of controversy around diets right now. Um, There's a lot of controversy around hunting. Um, You know, it's it's politicized now. It's 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 one thing or the other. It's it's complicated and it's a mess. I'm personally, this may be a surprise to some of you, but I'm, I'm personally a hunter. Um, and I have been my entire life. And I think it's actually a very healthy practice. In fact, um, this weekend I'm going to hunt archery. And um, just knowing right now, um, for me personally, mentally, knowing that I get to spend the weekend out in the woods hunting um, is a big relief, especially considering everything that's going on in the country right now. So there's certain aspects of it that are healthy, uh, and I've recognized that. Um, so I wanted to talk about that with someone that I consider an expert in hunting. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Take care. All right, everyone. Welcome to the health aspect. Um, I'm Brad Lockwood. My co-host is usually my mom, Teresa, but um, she's not with us today. Instead, I have Brian Johnson, uh, who's a friend of mine um, who, who I've gotten to know through my cousin. Um there's a lot of context that I have to give to this. This is a much different, um, sorry, you might, <laughs> you might hear some background noise. We're in a cabin. Um, we were just on a hunting trip. Um, most of our listeners probably have no idea that I hunt, that that's part of my life whatsoever. Um, um, but it's a big part of my life. It's something that I enjoy mentally. Um, and we just spent, um, I guess it was like a four day hunt, um, about five, six days, in terms of the actual season, right? Saturday, season, Sunday, yeah, and we had a scout Tuesday. day in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we just spent... Um, Over a week without a shower. That's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, out in, uh, in like, south-central Colorado hunting mule deer. And, um, and Brian is someone that has a lot of common sense. Um, someone who um, I think is very intelligent and can speak a lot about... You seem to be an analytical thinker that could provide some insight on um, why hunting is important to some people. Because I think there's a lot of people that just, like, don't even get it. Like, why sure. why hunt whatsoever? Sure. And to me, I think from the whole, um, from getting the meat to the process of just hunting and hiking, hiking and all that, I think it's hugely, hugely important um, and a very healthy thing to do. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about, about, about that. Yeah. Um, can you, can you introduce yourself briefly? Like what, what's your job? What do you do? Yeah. My name is Brian Johnson. Um, I'm actually a forest ranger for the department of conservation and natural resources. I work in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised, moved away for a little bit, but ended up moving back. And, uh, yeah, I, I live in North central Pennsylvania, with my wife, and my daughter, and another one on the way. So yeah, awesome. but, uh, my family's there, I grew up there and that's really where I got my start hunting in the outdoors. Um, yeah, and it's really shaped my life in a lot of ways. Cool. Do you want to say what county you're in or no? No. Okay, great. <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think if you, you come up way. to see elk in Pennsylvania, you're around me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. So. It's a neat area. Yeah. So, um, so I have a bunch of different questions for you. Um, and, and, um, yeah, like I said, I just want yeah. Yeah, my no. Main, main purpose is like, why is hunting healthy? Why is it beneficial to the people that do it? Because yeah. People just totally don't see that. So first of all, um, you harvested a buck on Monday. Correct. Three days ago. Two days ago. So. What, you lose track of days when you're out here. Yeah, don't you? yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. How did you have to be prepared physically to go through that? Well, I've hunted the West before, and anybody that comes from the East to the West, I mean, there's always going to be an elevation difference um, in hiking, and you you just have to get acclimated through that, through your lungs. But the actual physical part of it, you know, your legs and the stamina that you have, you can prepare for that back East. The lung stuff, you just got to be out here. There's no way, there's no other way of getting around. I think you experienced that, too. Yeah, for sure. You're going to suck air. For sure. sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, I try to stay in good shape because I want to be the best I can be when I'm out here. I want to make the most of it. Being from the east and coming out to the west coast to hunt, 
it like I want to be in tip top shape and you see how serious I was at the beginning of the hunt yep and it was because it's like I want I, I'm here to accomplish the task and that's yep. the harvest harvest the deer for sure and and part of it like it like your your success depends on that yeah absolutely right absolutely yeah I, I think a lot of people from the east can come out here and get overwhelmed with it um there's a lot that goes into it i've just done it multiple times so some of it you know i i don't get an anxiety level but when i first came out started coming out to the west to hunt certainly did yeah there was really? a bit of anxiety sure yeah because you know you're worried about elevation sickness mm -hmm. you're worried about am i physically ready am i prepared you know the weather can be a little bit more brutal than it will be on the east coast it can turn a little bit quicker um yeah so for sure yeah yeah I, I think this hunt like pretty much highlights how important physical aspect was i mean it's not like we were backpacking every day but just right. like to get the deer that you got like we had we had to hike in and and we had to go where people like off off roads yeah and we had to like actually you know be on our feet hike up a mountain to get there like it's yeah it's that's just, one of my strategies actually from like being is to like look at maps and see where there's roads and get to where people physically can't drive to yep. physically easily can't get to yep. that i think would like control you know have deer in them in this case deer or maybe elk or whatever i'm hunting right. so i key in on those areas and i'll go into those and that's what i did in this hunt and i actually found that buck on the scout day friday mm -hmm. and then we killed him on monday so, yeah yeah so it's like it's a necessity like you just have to be i mean if you if you want to be competitive with everybody else that's out there yeah i mean there's different types of hunting in the west i mean you can certainly do ranch type hunting where okay. it's more of a controlled environment mm -hmm. there's limited hunters and the elk are not as elk or deer are not as spooky but when you get on public land like a national forest like we were hunting mm -hmm. and you're dealing with other people and these animals are seeing people and they know that they're being pursued it's different and you have to get away from the people to do that to where they feel comfortable and yeah you'll have more success that way for sure that's a yeah. great point i think there's a big distinction between the hunting that we're doing and um and you could be hunting on a ranch hunting from a truck or or, or yeah or any any number of different sure. things but sure. what we like to do clearly is like it's t typically pretty physical like we have a backpacking yeah. hunt planned like i i love it i love the accomplishment feeling of it mm -hmm. to do it like the way we did it yeah. with the way we just went through it and did it and i think you know this is your first time out here experiencing yep. that and yep. i think you've seen that where it's uh it's amazing yeah it's 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 mentally it's, it's physically taxing it's yep. it's everything you know you're sleep deprived calorie deprived <laughs> physically <laughs> the whole deal yep. yeah and so. you're just driven and you're yeah yeah yep okay um why what got you into hunting and why do you hunt i think hunting for me i don't ever remember making like a conscious decision to be a hunter mm -hmm. um for me my earliest memories were actually like cutting up deer with like my dad and my grandfather that they had harvested mm -hmm. so and i remember waiting for my dad to get home um, from hunting trips and seeing like if he was successful or not and but then i remember that just kind of like being around it it was really like a lifestyle i mean my dad always hunted and i think he had expectations of me to be a hunter i don't ever remember him pushing me towards it it was just something that i always wanted to do um so it was just kind of what we did i mean i honestly i i don't i don't know when i found out that there was people that didn't hunt i you know i kind of thought <laughs> that just like oh everybody God. did it uh -huh. like i thought that was the way that's just what people did uh -huh. you know i just thought you you did that that was what families did and my family did you know my grandfather did it who's 92 now and then wow. my dad and you know me and i i hope that my daughter does and you know and, mm -hmm. yeah and how old were you when you started hunting <sighs> i mean i started going with my dad probably the nine or ten would have been the okay. age that i was starting to tag along on hunts and stuff okay. like that so but always outdoors always you know in the backyard you know playing around shooting a bow mm -hmm. way earlier than that always getting ready to become a hunter i think wow. you know so yeah wow okay that's neat yeah so so have you so but but certainly you've thought about why you do it yeah have you? i mean i think as you get older i think you know as i got into it i think probably more like going like into college and like probably yep. getting around like different groups of people yep. and like people learning like oh you hunt and like why do you hunt and you're just like 
that answer of like, well, I just always did it doesn't yeah. pan out. It doesn't right. flesh out. And you have to kind of start really thinking about what you're gaining from hunting. Is it the right thing to do? Yep. Um, yeah. So you really get into like why you end up doing it and think it through for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I went through a period in college where I straight up didn't want to hunt anymore. Yeah. Because like I was just around all these people that were just like, why would you want to do that? Didn't do it. And like I just was in this mindset of like, yeah, that seems wrong. Like killing an animal seems wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can get into that next. Like, and I just want to say, like, before I even ask you, the 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 perception that people have of hunters, like that they hate animals, that they like want to kill something. Yeah. I mean, yes, you have a drive to harp, like kill that animal and harvest that animal, but it's yeah. not like a, it's not like a hateful thing. I wouldn't say necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a drive for to get food, kind of thing. Like it, it, it's certainly a drive, and like maybe there's some kind of you know, deep internal aggressive nature. There, it is aggressive. You know, there's some kind of aggressive nature to it, but, but it's not like, I literally heard you say immediately after killing your buck, what a beautiful animal. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the first things you said within yeah. the first five minutes of approaching the animal. Yeah. So like, what's, how, how do you feel about the animals that you harvest? And like, um, yeah, like, do, do you hate, do you hate the animals that you harvest? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously no. I mean, yeah. no, there's not like an, Aggression level, I guess, is what you would say. Um, I I think there's a lot to kind of talk about what you just said. I think hunters, especially in this country, have an image problem. I mean, without a doubt. And I think that comes from, like, our media, what we've been taught. I think, you know, Uncle Walt Disney, you know, (laughs) Bambi. Like, that did more or did less, I guess, for hunters than any one thing. You know, this Mm -hmm. idea that, you know, the hunter is the villain. And if you look at the way they're portrayed, you know, it's... I don't, it's not correct, I guess. It's, it's just the right. skewed version. I see now, um, having my daughter, I think about this all the time, I'm reading her books, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, you know, and there's this story or the three little pigs of like the wolf being the aggressor. Right. There's reasons that these things, this, this is the laws of nature that have played out. Right, right. But somehow we've, perso- we've personified animals yep. through teddy bears and these stories and such. And then it turns to the hunter of, well, they kill these personified animals right i mean think about even just your household dog how many human traits you try to portray to that animal right um so when it comes to hunting when you look at it and you go well do you hate that animal are you killing that out of hate absolutely not um yeah is that animal losing its life absolutely am i killing that animal absolutely but when you look at it on a species level Mm -hmm. hunters are the best thing that ever happened to animals in this country Please explain that because yeah, yeah, certainly sure. nobody's going to sure. agree with that for on, sure. on its face. Okay, so when you look at this country and you look at the research that's done, okay, the biology to save these animals, whether it's disease, population control, okay. anything, that's all funded by hunters. That's all hunters' dollars that's going to fund this, okay. right? Right now, we're in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay, tomorrow we are taking the buck that I harvested mm-hmm. for CWD research. Yep. Yep. to maintain the population of mule deer. That's right. Those employees will be funded by my hunter's dollars that I paid for for my license. Mm-hmm. That testing can only be conducted post-mortem on that deer. So, so, so yeah, like, let's make that clear. Like, in order to do CWD t- testing on a deer, you have to kill it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, there, there, you have, the deer has to be dead and, to and test it. For those that don't know, CWD is a, is, is chronic wasting disease. It's a protein that, um, can be transmitted to different deer and basically causes a neurological decay of their brain. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. And they just waste away. It's called hundred percent wasting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wasting oh. disease. So, yep. so they have to track that and they have to kill deer in order to get it. Right. The only way that, so, so right. it only makes sense to get that. So the County we were in, there's been no sub CWD tested or detected, I should say. Mm-hmm. So now by testing those deer, they will find out if there's CWD in place. Yep. So that game and fish agency can come in and either loosen regulations, increase um, tag numbers mm-hmm. to control that population, increase numbers, decrease numbers. Mm-hmm. They can do that by research or from basically animals harvested by hunters okay. because of hunters. Yep. So without the hunters participating in this process, mm-hmm. What, what happens? Who's funding? Who's funding the employees tomorrow that are there, that are going to be receiving right. these animals? Who was there taking these animals? And, and I understand that's probably a hard concept for people to understand. But, 
I mean, this is a cycle that we're in. You know, these game and fish, and this is not just the state of Colorado. This is Pennsylvania where we're from. This yep. is Wyoming. This is Montana, New Jersey, mm -hmm. wherever. Yep. You know, these. this is all being funded by hunters. Yeah, and if it weren't hunters, it would be taxpayer dollars and just... Yeah, or, or, if you could politically get it through. Yeah. You might not be able to get get it through. I would think these agencies, they rely on hunters' dollars and, and the Pittman-Robertson Act. And it's because hunters care. Like, hunters want to be able to do what they love, which is hunt, and, and if... If the if the herds whatever like the populations aren't managed correctly, they can't do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yes. I'd like to inter introduce my cousin, whose name is also Brian. Uh, he has something he'd like to, to add. What's up? I just wanted to add that the CWD affects more than just the mule deer that we were just hunting. Okay. It, it's everything in the deer family: moose, white-tailed deer, elk, caribou. All those animals can be affected by it. So you're you're testing yep. a deer based on everything can can get infected by just that animal alone and they all kind of live together in a lot of these environments so so, so it is it's species important. it's it can go Deer across family i believe ungulates yeah oh wow okay yeah yeah so, okay, yep. yeah um yeah so you're, so you're saying about aside from is there anything else that that you could say aside from like cw cwd testing that that hunters help fund when it comes to population, I mean, I guess. Well, absolutely. I mean, our dollars are going towards just the research of having that biologist in the field. So okay. any type of disease research. Okay. But also they're allocating tag numbers. So um, I'll go to Pennsylvania, our home state, right? Mm -hmm. We went through where we had to increase the level of doe tags that we, or antlerless deer tags. Yep. And the reason was is because working with the forestry department, we were seeing over browsing which was actually hurting the forest. So what was going on was you would have these areas, whether it was like oak seed or mainly regenerative cuts were being browsed off by deer. And it, it was an increase in population. So, the, incre the population was too high. Okay. Go ahead. So just a so people know, like a regenerative cut would be like where they've cut timber, right? They've cut and then, timber, and then right. They're waiting for right. new. So now that timber line is within the deer's reach. Okay. Okay. Yep. You know, a deer standing at what, three and a half feet at the yep. back or something like that can reach that. So as that comes up, all the fresh shoots that are coming out, they're eating off. Mm -hmm. So now we're actually having a problem with the ecosystem yep. that's affecting everything because the deer are over browsing and it's from an increase in population of deer. Yep. If, yeah. if you don't have hunters funding that, if you don't have a, in our state, it's the game commission, Pennsylvania game commission. Mm -hmm. If you don't have them researching that and increasing those doe tags to harvest those deer, you're actually hurting the ecosystem overall. So, so if you don't have hunters, first of all, uh, you don't have the funding to fund that research. Second of all, you don't have a, a aside from the state coming in and just killing these deer, mm -hmm. you don't have like something that, that can control that population and keep that forest as a renewable resource. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, right. Yeah. What will happen is if, if hunters aren't controlling these populations, what you will have is you'll have a boom cycle. You'll have mm -hmm. too many deer. Mm -hmm. And we know this. And what ends up happening in all species, you'll get disease. And disease is not f selective. And it's a roller coaster. It will crash. Um, you know, I, deer is the one thing. I mean, CWD, a lot of it, it's because there's too many deer. Mm -hmm. You know, it yep. spreads faster because you have yep. higher, a higher concentration. And they've allocated more tags in those counties in PA. Right. Is yes. Right. Yes. To try to control the population yep. to lower it. Yes. So lower it because I've the, that. to slow the spread. Yes. Yeah. The okay. CWD. Okay. So neat. Yeah. Um. I can cut out the dead, the radio silence. <laughs> uh. So. Do you think about where? Um, Aside from these obvious things in terms of like money, like how, how mm -hmm. hunting funds certain yeah. things, um, for you personally, um, how, how do you, how would you say hunting benefits you aside from the physical thing? Like, um, the, the obvious thing that I'm thinking about is just, just the meat. Um, yeah. and are there any other things that you think about? And, and you could please elaborate on what, what harvesting that meat kind of means to you and, Right. Well, I mean, do you want me to elaborate on the meat or like yeah, other things? Start, right? start with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I pretty exclusively f 
feed my family on wild game. Really? Is I mean, we will buy chicken. Okay. Um, if and like we'll buy a little bit of pork to mix in with some of the wild game, but our red meat strictly, I, I never buy beef. Really? Um, last year I harvested a moose in Canada, uh -huh. um, so we still have some of that. We package all of that. This mule deer um, will probably be made into like a breakfast sausage, and okay. yeah, we'll eat this for a year. I have two big deep freezes, and mm -hmm. we, you know, so usually we're filling those freezers in the fall time, and that will last us till the following fall, mm -hmm. and then the cycle repeats itself okay. so yeah it's just um yeah lean good meat the best the best you can have i mean there's nothing better right yeah and and um so it's certainly healthy for for you guys but it's also we also have to look at it as healthy for the ecosystem in general just like if you look at the whole environment mm -hmm. as it is because you could you could either have everybody relying on um factory farming which we've seen examples of, and it's just, it's pretty horrendous, and it's not good for the environment for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's not good for the animals either, that the environment that they're living is living in is terrible. Yeah. If you compare that to the environment of a, of a deer, mm -hmm. you know, until it's harvested, like, it's it's just night and day difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's, it's so, like, the stress levels of, a, of a, a beef cow that is just in tight quarters, or, you know, or, or chickens or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and if you compare that to a free-ranging animal that's just like living its life normally until it's the point that it's harvested, um, the two very different things, and um, um, so I, I just wanted to make a point of that. Um, yeah. So, is there anything else you think about as far as um, we're saying meat, like the? Yeah. Well, I, I think I mean look at us now here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I, I doubt highly that me and you would ever have the social connection right. had it not been through hunting right um you know brian who's sitting beside us we wouldn't have that connection there's yes. no way we were friends in high school we played sports together mm -hmm. outside of that i don't know what we would do you know hang out and play chess i guess i don't you know <laughs> so we don't you know board games i don't know what you do right. I, I don't know we hunt together yeah i've shared some of the greatest experiences of my life with him mm -hmm. through Likewise. hunting you know, we've traveled to these places. I mean, I, I think you could probably speak to this more than anything of this trip yes. about how much it's meant to you. And this, this has come together through the act of hunting. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can say for sure, um, especially in college and maybe like like a little bit thereafter, I, I personally had, had gone through just like a lot of stress for sure. And coming going to like to bear camp at deer camp just going to the cabin mm -hmm. and just like having a place where like the three of us and whoever else is there could just like talk like not worry about what anybody has to think like there's yeah. a there's a culture there and i think it's it's maybe it's just unique to us but it's it seems like it's replicated you know every every deer camp you go yeah. to there's a bunch of guys and sometimes gals too getting together and just like talking and like they're being honest with each other. They're, they all have a common goal. That's well, something that they can... They I don't can, think it's unique to us. I mean, I think it's since the beginning of mankind, it's probably taken place, right? That makes sense. I mean, I mean... You have to be able to co coordinate. Yeah. They're, 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 since the, I, I would assume, and from what I've read, yeah. since the beginning of mankind, yeah. there was coordinated hunts. Yep. You know, you know what are, most of the time, predominantly was men, would leave the village... Mm -hmm. And they would go out on these expeditions to acquire meat for the village, to right. provide for the... I, I think that probably there was a bit of humor, I would assume. <laughs> right. I would think there was a right. bit of humor mixed in with a bit of working things out and yep. fleshing ideas out about yep. life in these camps. Yep. I would only assume that. I would assume that what we're doing is not unique in any way. Yep. That it is what has really been going on since the beginning of man. That's a great point. I hadn't given that thought. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in both of these hunts, we had to rely, I mean, you two relied on each other heavily yeah. to, to make your hunts successful. Like, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, you can do solo hunts, but like, but if you, if you want to be very productive and you really want to make it happen, you have to be able to work together. And, yeah. And it provides... Well, the, the valley that Brian ended up ultimately harvesting his deer out of was a night that we had split up, went our separate ways. Yep. And I had come back, we'd went to a different valley together, I had harvested my deer, and then we came back and I said to Brian, I said, there was a lot of deer in mm -hmm. that other valley, right. we need to go back, and we took him back there, and, and then he ended up getting his as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a coordinated effort, you know. And had Brian ran into deer, or you had run into deer that night, we'd have probably went that way. Right. So it was, 
this coordination of being able to communicate together. Yeah. Yep. But just the even the you know setting up camp, breaking down camp. How much do we rely on each other? You know. 100%. You know, you start the fire, I'll start dinner. You know, yep. like all those sort of things. Yep. You know, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like like it's a great feeling. Like you just you, you have a team and everyone's working together. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Can you speak to any of the benefits that you get mentally from this practice? I know there's a couple. Yeah, I mean, and I've talked about this before. For me, it's it's very much a reset. I mean, the I I don't know. The older I get, job and work and, and the day to day life, um, cell phones and emails and all yeah. that sort of stuff does not seem natural to me and i don't know what you characterize as natural but when this time of year comes around september to december it is this calming feeling of everything is a like it just it resets everything mm -hmm. and it's amazing and, and i think a lot of it just has this you're in these places with silence you have time to think, you have time to flesh out your ideas. Yep. You know, when you're answering 60 emails a day, there's not a lot of time given to things that are going on. Right. So, yeah, I mean, mentally, I, I honestly, I, I, find, I find myself wound tighter than a ball come around August. In September, I am itching to go. <laughs> and, it, you know, it slowly decompresses. I mean, just, just think about now. I could. I'm struggling to tell you what day of the week it is. Right. You know. Right. You've been focused on one thing. Yeah, because we were so focused on one thing, yep. and it was this like wave of things that was going on that yep. we were just taking part of, and we were just in it. And then you know, but that's not day to day life, right? Like right. Friday, I got a meeting, and Thursday, I got to answer the email, and for, you know, Thursday's the trash, and this and that, and yep. Boo -boo. yep. The thing, I mean, you know, I, I don't know who listens to your podcast, but I mean, when's the last time that they have lost track of days? Right. Like you literally lost track of what day it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it's a, it's an extremely rare occurrence. Like yeah, right. yeah, in our day to day life, it's it's. Ne I, I would guess that a lot of people don't have that. Right. You know, so yeah, it's mentally relaxing. What? Yes, that's a, okay. So that's certainly a a. a a positive benefit that comes from from honey but what would you say you you need mentally to hunt oh okay is that i mean no 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 you you obviously answered that part of the question that's oh. good but but as a second part like what what would, what would you say that you need to hunt because there's certainly several things that you need mentally to hunt yeah i mean there's different levels of hunting there there certainly is right um i would encourage people to hunt i like to see you know new participants in hunting right um what we just went through specifically is like the is one of the highest levels. There's probably higher levels. There's probably bigger challenges out there. You know, further expeditions, yeah. longer days, a longer time away from resources. Mm -hmm. But like something like this, you have to have, I think, a certain level of resilience of what you are going to have ups yes. and downs of what's going on. 100%. Um and it's going to happen every time it's going to happen anytime you do an expedition trip or a trip where you're gone for multiple days you will have ups and downs i guarantee it i guarantee whether it's weather whether it's an equipment failure um whether it's a health issue whether you come down you know you blister up whether you're low on calories whatever it is you will have an issue yep and you just have to work through that so there's just this resilience that you have to have. I mean, look specifically on this trip. I don't. I can't even remember what night it was. Two or three, and it was just we we're in forty to fifty mile an hour gust at yep. night. And I know that probably combined it was what a three to four hours sleep that night, right? At, at most, yeah. And we woke up the next day and we went out and we did it. That's right. right? And we you, hunted you all just, day long. Yeah. yeah, we hunted all day long. Yeah. You have to accept being uncomfortable. That's right. Yeah, you, you have to be just comfortable. Yeah, yeah right. And, it, and it's more than just one day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's every day. Yes. Yeah. This time, especially where we were, the temperatures yeah. that we had. I mean, we had a nice first couple of days, but like right. very quickly, it, yeah. it was, you know. Yeah. You, you learn to deal with it and stick it out. And then 10 days later, you return home and you, you're 
you, you see what you actually have. It's like makes right. you appreciate yeah. all the good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I think too, there's a certain level of like preparation too that you learn. The more you do it, the better you get at it, right? I mean, you, like you saw me taping my feet, and yep. you were like, "Are you blistering?" I think it's what you asked. That's and I was right. Like, yep. nope. Like I just pre-tape them so I don't blister yep. because I know that I've had this problem in the past with my feet. So I'm not going to let it happen. Yep. I'm not going to let my gear get wet to where it becomes a problem where I'm in a survival situation because of the cold. I'm going to keep my stuff dry. That way I never get into a point where it's it's tough to keep myself warm. Um, you know, and that goes with, you know, whether it's my rifle or whatever, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep it, you know, yep. protected. I'm going to yep. make sure it's shooting straight. I'm going to go through all those things before we ever get here. And the more you do it, the better you get. So so there's two things. So we mentioned mentally so so resiliency for sure like yeah. it's 100 percent a mental game like no matter even if you come out and you're not in the best shape that you should be like you could still tough through and do the best that you can you know if, if you're mentally just not there and you're not engaged you're yeah. going to do terrible like you're you're you know you're you're up your, op, your opportunities are going to be far more limited i should say you're going to hit a challenge at some point yeah you're going to hit a challenge 100 percent, and that's where the decision makes do i stay and continue on yep or do I pack up my stuff and go home? Yep. And then I'm unsuccessful or, you know, and I didn't have a good trip, yep. you know. But if you just realize that there's going to be peaks and valleys and I just have to get through the valley, that's that's all you have to look forward. It will change. It will change. Everything will get better. So, yep. So there's the resiliency and then there's this, this whole mindset that you get of being prepared and being honed at a skill, which is just an extremely valuable thing to do. Like choosing one thing and saying, I'm going to be great at this. Mm -hmm. Like being able to do that, having building confidence through that is an extremely valuable thing mentally. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I think is patience. I think that's massive, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I think... Um, as I, as I've gotten older and, and more engaged in hunting, it's been a lot easier. Like I haven't really needed to be patient. I'm just like, I'm super into it the whole time. Yeah. But, but there's times where you literally just need to, um, you need to sit, like say you're sitting in a tree stand all day long. Yeah. Like you need to find a way to entertain yourself or just yeah. be calm Yeah. and sit in a tree stand for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that's something I see myself as the season goes on, I get better at. Like really? when, really? yeah, yeah. Like when August starts and I'm first starting my hunts, I'm very like, oh, I need this now. Like basically it's like, this isn't happening here. I got to go here. I got to go here. Yeah. And by November comes around, I feel it in my system. It's like, I know this is a good area. I know I just have to go through this lull mm -hmm. and I just sit here and I'm just going to relax and I'm going to do, you know, it's not necessarily mental exercises, but I'm just thinking through things that'll keep me there. Um, and I have enough experience to know that I have the confidence that things will turn in that area. Right. But yeah, and it, it does. I mean, it's, it slows things down and you learn to slow yourself down. You don't realize how fast your mind is running until you get yourself into a situation like this and where you're just out there, yep. you know? So it, it's, it's great. Yeah. It, it seems to me like hunting kind of simple, like since it's one thing that you're focused on, it yeah. kind of like simplifies life, but amplifies the intensity of it. Like it's a super intense activity, but mm -hmm. there's one thing that you're focused on and that's it. Whereas Absolutely. life is typically just a, a, a lot of complexity, all these different things thrown at you, right. but it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. Like, like it's just day to day. Like if it, you know, if you're doing like a humdrum, like day to day. No, activity, I get it. Yeah. But like hunting is just like, it's, it's simplified. Everything is one goal and it's intense. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. To go for days on end, focused on one single goal. Yep. I mean, I don't, you know what, I can't think of anything else unless you're ultra marathoning or on like a big backpack hike. I've done longer hikes where it's yep. three or four days yep. or, you know, longer than that, I should say like seven day hikes mm -hmm. where you're just on this task for multiple days. But can you time. compare that to hunting still? Like, is it like to, to me, there's still time a down? huge difference yeah. in terms of, in terms of the experience that you get and like, it's different, but there's definitely this idea of, like with hiking, you get that slowdown. You okay. still get that slowdown of time, and you get that through hunting as well. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've got that hunting or hiking as well. It's not a task where it's as complex because it's a simple thing you're doing, right? Right. You get up every day, you put your boots on, you get your calories in, you walk your miles. Okay. And it's very simple. It's a very simple task mm -hmm. that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you know, straight line where... 
you're thinking more during the hunting process. You know, maybe I'll go to this valley, maybe I'll go to that valley. Yep. But you still do get that slowdown of time because it's a single task ultimately. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But in, in terms of the intensity, do you feel like, um, like you certainly get more excited. Would you get more excited about a seven day backpacking hunt or is just a seven day backpacking trip? Well, I think the difference would be is on a seven day backpacking trip, I know that I'm going from A to B. Yeah. Every day I have this goal and I got to meet this goal. Yep. Hunting is you walk into it and you're open to where you're going to go. Every day could be different. You have no idea what each day is going to hold for you. When we got here on Friday, we didn't know that Monday, that night we would be up taking and processing a deer, yep. right? Yep. That could have been tonight. That could have been yesterday. Right. We didn't know. Right. You didn't, we didn't know. Everything's up to the minute like what valley you're going to go to you're constantly reassessing the situation to yep. see what you're going to do so that's what i love about hunting because hiking it's a trail and i've done and i love hiking um i love overnight hiking i love mm -hmm. backpacking but with hunting there's places that hikers don't go because maybe you're going to see that ridge it's the exploration point of it of like you're going to go here or go there to see what's over the next hill Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> does that make sense, or does that like? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's this every I mean, day is this a, reassessment of. Yeah, work. it's a critical thinking skill. It's like like you have to you have to be analyzing the sign or everything that you've taken yes. in so far during this trip, and now yes. and now you have to act on that like Absolutely. every day. You're going. It's not like you're following a path. Right. There's no path. Right. Like, there's no. There's yeah. no. It's it's fluid. Right. It's constantly fluid throughout the hunt. Of and the better the decision you make, the better off you'll. The more successful yeah. you'll be. Yeah. The more information you take in, the day before yep. that you can put in and yep. compute and yep. kick out of where you're going to go and how you're going to approach it the next day, mm -hmm. the better off you're going to be. The the Absolutely. more successful you'll be as a hunter for sure. Absolutely. Um. So wait. I think I mentioned earlier about like, do you hate animals? And you said certainly no. I think we jumped into how hunting helps the animals, but but did did you mention at all? I don't think you you mentioned like how, how do you what do you think about a mule deer when you think about a mule deer or like or or like I I know personally I can definitely speak to how my relationship with animals has changed after I've hunted them. Mm -hmm. Can you have you experienced that at all? I mean I guess you've always kind of hunted them, but yeah. Um, no, I mean there's there's certain animals I'll put it this way this is probably the best way that I can put it if somebody's not familiar with hunting one of the great challenges of hunting would be wild sheep um, our four you know there's four North American species mm -hmm. the doll the stone the Rocky Mountain and the desert bighorn mm -hmm. and those species are very coveted tags there's very few tags because sheep have disease problems quite a bit oh really yeah so there's very coveted tags you have more people putting money through wild sheep foundation the wild sheep foundation and wild sheep tags that they're putting in mm -hmm. than will ever be able to touch or lay hands on a sheep ever really okay mm -hmm. they care about the sheep but there's still hunters that care about these sheep if you told me that i would never be able to hunt mule deer again mm -hmm. i would still care about the mule deer i okay. still i want the species to be there okay. I, I want it to be there for my daughter and her children to experience um and i think the best way to make that happen is through hunting now that's not solely why i hunt i can't sit here and say oh i hunt because that's the only way they'll be here right right i enjoy the process i enjoy yep. the hunt i enjoy every aspect of it but it's all part of it. It all goes into it. On a species level, I, I love it. I mean, well, I'll tell you, let's, let's take this for example. The other day, me and you are waiting for Brian to come back mm -hmm. because he had harvested his buck. Yep. And as we sit there, I'm also a birder. And I'm like, oh, check out that hawk up there. Right. What hawk is that? And I'm looking at it, and today we get out, I get cell phone service, mm -hmm. I look it up. Mm -hmm. yep. It's nothing yep. to do. I'm never going to shoot that hawk. Right, I'm never right, going right. to do anything with that hawk except observe it. Yep. But I'm not in that place in time if I'm not hunting. I'm, we're not in that valley. Mm -hmm. Me and you are not standing there unless we are participating on a hunt. Okay, so you're saying in general, because of hunting, you're given an opportunity to just enjoy and Every aspect of that landscape. Nature. Yeah. 
Okay. Every aspect of it, right? Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about, you know, you were like, what did that guy call those trees? You know, oh, pinion junipers. Yeah, right, right. We're not there. We're not in that valley with yep. those trees yep. if we're not hunting. And there's, so I guess you've you've grown up hunting for a long time, um, more, more than I have, I think. And uh, you've been into it more than I have from like a young age. But for me, and I think even like my brother can probably speak to this too we've we've our our interest has waxed and waned for sure mm -hmm. so but what so like what i've experienced is and i don't know if you'd be able to i don't know if you would agree with this or not but like without hunting an animal like you don't understand that animal very well at all if you if you are going to go after a species mm -hmm. and you plan on trying to harvest one mm -hmm. you have to understand the behavior of that animal completely Absolutely. which requires some level of like how is that animal thinking? Absolutely. So like, it, it's just become, it, it, it's a very powerful, powerful thing to me because it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's not like people, I, I think common perception of hunters is it's like an ignorant thing. Like you're, you're ignorant to that animal's life and that's mm -hmm. why like you're taking it cause you don't care. But like, but you have to care, like you have to understand and yeah. like, and like there has to be some kind of connection to that animal Absolutely. in order for that to happen. Yeah. And people just don't even get that. It's no. like. I, I, especially and especially when it comes to archery like if, you, if you're getting close but like but no matter what yeah like it's that's the majority of what a hunt is so tonight we're getting out of the mountains I'm, i start getting cell phone service and i'm getting texts from a friend mm -hmm. and he's saying you know it's november 11th what would you do in this situation i'm trying to harvest a buck in pennsylvania okay and i'm telling him because i know the breeding cycle of the white-tailed deer yep. what i would do and how i would hunt that animal okay. in that area yep. right specifically yep tell me a hunter tell me a non-hunter that can speak to that level right. of detail right of what's going maybe a biologist that doesn't hunt but most biologists i know do hunt really okay uh, yeah and <laughs> so it's this connection of you know what food are they eating you know what time of year are the deer here what's going on yep. i mean it is a deep i mean I grew up hunting white-tailed deer, right? So I could tell you probably more about the white-tailed deer in North Central Pennsylvania, what how it's going to react mm -hmm. in different times of year, mm -hmm. than and, and, and even down to I mean you're talking broadly, but even down to the to the day, and you've mentioned to the day, right? The weather, like yeah, the, the, yeah, like wind conditions, yeah, yep. barometric pressure, exactly, all the, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. How those deer are most likely going to act, and yes, it is for a hundred percent. It is for the objective of killing and taking that animal. That's why I have acquired that skill. But yet, I understand that on a species level because of that goal and objective that I have. So, yeah, it's made me completely more connected. But it's also. I'll go back to it. It's made me more connected with that landscape. For sure. You know, I'm walking I'm walking the woods in July and going, hey, is there a red oak mass or a white oak mass this year crop? Are, are the oaks going to drop? Because it would make this certain area better hunting than this certain area over here. And no, there's no crops this year. There's no oak this year. Mm -hmm. So, well, the deer might be down low. They might be browsing. And they, they'll probably push over to the nearest clear cut because they're going to over they're going to browse on that clear cut. So, I'm going to hunt over here as opposed to over here. Mm -hmm. Take a non hunter and throw them out there and go, "Where would you find deer in October 15th? Where do you think the deer are?" Right. I don't know, drive the roads, I guess. You know, I mean, there's going right. to be no there's going to be no concept of that whatsoever. Right. Um this is kind of an example coming out of left field, but I was just speaking with um, someone that I know that's a doctoral student at Penn State mm -hmm. and he's working in mindfulness, okay? And they are working on how to get students to feel a better sense of belonging in school. Like they're trying to develop these mindfulness programs with kids that are like struggling with certain issues and they feel like they completely don't belong in school. Mm -hmm. What you're talking about is a connection between people, peers, and like, you know, you know a sense of collaboration and a sense of connection to the landscape absolutely where else do you get that absolutely like you it's it's just like it feels like an intensely natural thing when you're mm -hmm. out there doing it and there's a reason why it's because like that's what mm -hmm. we have that's w what we've done right you know yeah so and and you know not that it's like a it should be a prescription for people to do or in any sense whatsoever but it's like it just makes sense that it feels a great to do mm -hmm. like it you know it's a it seems like a very healthy thing to do yeah no i I'll give you an example. There's an area that I harvested when I was um, 
I don't know, I had to be 16 or 17, I harvested my first turkey there. Mm -hmm. And it was just this beautiful area and there was timber in it. And um, last year they put a pipeline through it. And I understand that, you know, hey, listen, I'm a consumer, you know, there's, <laughs> listen, we rely on fossil fuels. I get it, mm -hmm. I get the energy thing. Mm -hmm. And to go in there and see that area changed and, and inevitable, you know, change is inevitable. Yep. But to see that, that area, it was special to me. It was literally special to me. Yep. And to see it change, you know, by the hand of man, right. hurt. I mean, it literally hurt. Like, and it, and it just, you know, I took a deep breath and it was, it was what it was. But it, to, to talk about that connection, yeah, there, there's a connection to that spot, you know, and man, I, I, this is how crazy that is. I, for, there was a number of years after I had taken that turkey in there that I had went in there and I'd make it a point at least once a spring to go in there and I'd take a nap. Like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I would go in there and I would hunt and I, there was a special place that I would take a nap really? under a tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. So. And I know, I know, uh, my cousin Brian and I have have experienced this too, to a small degree. Mm -hmm. Just them fracking where we've, well, Brian mostly has has grown up hunting. Yeah. In the mountains there, so they they've made a bit of changes. It's not too drastic. I'm I don't, I'm, so, I'm sure it's not as drastic. Yeah. As there's you yeah. There. Was it? Yeah. Water? There's some there there's some pretty drastic changes from in some of the areas. Yeah. So was it an oil or gas pipeline that they? Put yeah, it was fracking gas. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's it sucks. It's what we rely on, but. Yeah. Right. I get it. It's part of the scheme, right? I mean, I consume the gas, so I can't. Right. You know, I'm I'm part of it too. Right. So right. that's the one thing. That's another thing that a lot of people don't talk about or know is that hunters are some of the biggest conservationists there are. Yeah. And like, it seems like there's this big separation between environmentalism and conservation conservationism but really they they certainly overlap in a big big way mm -hmm. you know conserving habitat and absolutely just generally like taking care of the globe it's like certainly you know they go hand in hand right um but but for some reason hunting has seemed has seemed as like this conservative thing and and environmentalism is like this leftist thing it's like um i i don't know i so, so conservation certainly means something to you, would you say? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I would challenge anybody on this, right? So if I go into a woodlot and I, I take a deer, I take a deer out of that woodlot, and I pull that out, I feed my family with that deer. I go back there, that, that next year there will be more deer there. I guarantee it. I guarantee that doe will be healthy. Say you take a young of the year or you take the adult doe, another doe will move in, mm. she will breed, she will have fawns, they will be in that area, that, that habitat supports it. Okay. You could come in for years, 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, these places where we hunt in Pennsylvania, yep. how long? I mean, your grandfather hunted there for years. Yep literally years yeah it's not like we go in there and there's no game right there's deer there's bear there's squirrels all these things yeah you go into an area one of those woodlots and put in a house those deer are dispersed they will never be there again put in a shopping mall put in a parking lot yep. that, that's done not right. for that deer but for every generation of deer after right. and i get it so we're in this population that's growing and growing and growing and, and i don't know where the balance meets yep. But for me as a hunter to go in and take a deer when I know that it will, you know, it's a renewable resource, it will be there again. Right. That's another great point. Like, I think when people think about killing deer, it's like you're killing off deer. Like, they're not going to come back right. after you kill them. They certainly do. Like, if the right. habitat's there and it supports right. it, they're going to come back. Right. The thing that really just removes them and reduces their population and their ability to, to survive and live is just our consumption of those natural resources. Right. Well, I mean, and that comes from, and that was, I shouldn't say our own doing, but that comes from the market hunting in this country. Mm -hmm. That comes from our history around the 1900s where we were literally killing for meat and we could sell meat. Okay. But we corrected that. Yeah. We corrected that into this model that we have now yeah. where the model from hunting, hunting and fishing dollars goes back into the conservation efforts and goes into the funding of that resource. We fixed that. Yep. Hunters now, like you alluded to, are the conservationists in this country. They That's really right. are. Even, just just an additional point to bring up, every time you buy ammo, 
Yes. You're actually taxed. Yeah. And that Pippen money and goes to, yes, yes. Yeah. that money goes to, and I, I think it's a pretty high, I think it's like 10%, something or like 7% maybe. It's, I'm not sure about the percentage, okay. but yeah, there is. But yeah. anyway, anytime you buy ammo, yeah. you're, you're actually giving money to conservation. Yeah. Or guns. Uh, yeah. Right. So you could be a target. Yes. Guns? Yes. Guns. Okay, so you could be a target shooter that shoots pistol competition mm -hmm. and your guns and your ammo that money is going yep. back to conservation. So yeah, I guess yeah. I guess I I should correct myself and say it's not all hunters' dollars. Mm -hmm. But yes, right. that tax that goes in. It's hunters and shooters, basically. Yes, yeah. right, right. Anybody that's buying that stuff. If you're yep. a backpacker and you go to Cabela's and you buy binoculars there, that that money is going towards really? conservation. Yes, yes. Oh my yes. gosh. I didn't yes, know and and there's a large part of that, but then also the the hunting and fishing dollars from the licenses. Buying licenses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to backtrack too far, but I want to ask a question about, I, you were just talking about fracking a few minutes ago, and yep. some of the areas that was heavily impacted by that. I've hunted with Brian, especially in mm -hmm. those areas. I travel through them. I live near a lot mm -hmm. of them. Now, it is not nice to see all the, the extra work in your wild country that you see, but in my opinion, from what I see, it's been very beneficial to the deer. Uh, the, really? the habitat for them, they plant everything they plowed, they, hmm. the timber that they've messed up, it's great habitat currently for deer if they keep it maintained. I don't know, it's great hunting right now. Don't know if it'll stay that way, but I mean, I think it's helped. From what I've seen when I travel through, I see a lot of deer numbers in those areas. Wow. Don't know if you agree or not with that, but... Well, that's great to know. So, so they're, they're at least taking measures that if they are taking care... I mean, what did they do... In the fracking area, they they clear they cleared the, forests. The, all the lines that they they put in water lines, they bury. They put in pipelines that they bury. They mm -hmm. planted all those. They right? they replanted. They, they clear cut the forest. They, they, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. <laughs> okay. Right? It does look terrible. Uh huh. But the deer seem to like it. Okay. I mean, they survive. They get old. They get big. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Bok doe doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Well, white-tailed deer are very unique in the idea that they can live in a number of habitats, mm -hmm. and white-tailed deer specifically do really good in fresh cuttings okay. because they can browse, and then mm -hmm. it's it's also covered. Like they don't even have to leave, right? They have the security cover of it, and they can they can feed in there as well. So okay. it benefits the white-tailed deer um, a great amount any time that they come in. White-tailed deer specifically do very very well with human encroachment. They're one of the very, so the, you know, like, yeah, look at, look so at suburban strange. areas, right? You know, when you, t like these areas, like around like Allegheny County and Philadelphia County, where these deer are living in these suburb areas and they're like, we have a white-tailed deer problem because they're eating flowers and they're eating people's, you know, gardens right, and right, stuff. Right, yeah. right, because they do very good close to people. Now, there's other species that, in fact, do not do really good close to people. Right. So, um, Anytime you have natural resource um, extraction, you're ch you're changing the habitat. Is, is essentially what's happening. So yep. Yeah. Um. This is going to be a controversial question, but uh, who do you think loves animals more? Is it vegans or hunters? <laughs> um. You can take that any way you want. No, it's fine. I don't think, I don't have a, I don't have a bad view of vegans in any way. Mm -hmm. I don't have a, uh, I have a, you know, in this regard, I'm very, live your life, do what makes you happy. Yep. Because that makes us extremely happy. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> If you're looking at it from an animal harm, I would I would challenge you to understand what's going on, right? I would challenge you to sit down with a hunter that's really thought through things and have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Who loves animals more? I don't think is probably a fair question yeah. because I think that the hunter would say, no, I love animals more. And I think the vegan would say, but you kill them. I love animals more. Yeah. I think that if you ask me the who has a deeper connection to nature, I would say the hunter. I could I could unequivocally answer that and mm -hmm. say 100% it's the hunter than the vegan. But I don't think the idea this idea of love, um, I, I just think that kind of misses the mark. I, yeah. I don't like the question. I guess is okay. The way I would say that 100% makes sense. Well, you're kind of getting at it though. If you're a hunter, you're relying on that animal for your own sustenance. I mean, of course, we have the option to go to the supermarket, but we'd prefer not to. Right. Um, 
But you're disconnected from the process, thing, right? Exactly. You don't know. You're not. Yeah, Say you're, you're a vegan, right? You're still responsible for some level of death. Okay. What do you mean by that? What, what's the? Well, you're relying on fossil fuels. We go back and we, we'll, we'll backtrack, right? Go mm-hmm. back into. Okay. You, you're solely plant-based. That still has to be harvested, right? Yep, right. You have to change the ecosystem yep. in order to harvest that. Yep. That combine, that tractor that's harvested that grain, that wheat, whatever you're eating, runs on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. What's in that, you know, they've had to change. They've had to change that landscape. There's some level of death. Yep. That farmer is protecting those crops. I guarantee they are. Yep. They're running that tractor. Yep. There's fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So that's coming from somewhere where they had to extract that, right. where right. there was some energy put, right. you know. So Very it's just this yeah. disconnect. You're, yeah. you're still part of the environment. Yeah. You're, yeah. We're all consumers of it, right? Yeah. We're on the, As long as we're on this earth, there's some level of consumption. Yep. Well, but what's amazing about hunting is you're taking away, like you're not altering the habitat. No. Aside from removing that animal. I'm going in and, and I'm all that's going to happen is another animal is going to take that place. Absolutely. Yeah, if the habitat can support it. Yeah another animal will take that place and, and because we've formed this this smart healthy model where our funding mm-hmm. makes sure that that habitat remains healthy right. like it's just a full it's all of our all of our bases are covered there right right well take for instance like where we were just at we harvested that deer right mm-hmm. we break the animal down we take every scrap of meat we can get off of that yep. you know and if you've never broke down an animal well you just saw it right like it's a process yep it's a process that we went through we we broke down that animal Ultimately, there's still some little levels of meat stuck to the bone of that animal. Mm-hmm. What was there within a day? Uh, ravens. Ravens and magpies. And magpies, yeah. They are feeding. Yep. It, they're, it's, that, that nutrients is going right back into the environment right. through that bird. Right. Yeah. Whereas in coyotes, we heard the coyotes. I'm sure though they're feeding on that. Yeah. As well. Whatever's left over, like yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And then we're taking out of the environment what we're going to use, take home, and feed our family. Yep. That's a great point. So, right. So, so just to reiter- reiterate, there, there is, uh, yeah, yeah. Love is a strange word, but in terms of connection, you have no choice. If especially if you if that's the way you want to if you want to live your life in this kind of lifestyle as a hunter, and, mm-hmm. and it's something the three of us love for sure. Um, you have no choice but to be connected to that animal in some way. So. Um, you rely on it in a way and and in the past certainly more so like you know hundreds of years ago when that's when the first level well they settlers, couldn't get themselves disconnected from it right right the ob- the right. other option was die exactly, Starve. exactly. Die. i mean that's what you did right yep. you then, were either a hunter gatherer you were a hunter gatherer that's what you did right right so you didn't have a choice mm-hmm. we live in an era where you have a choice of whether you're going to participate in this or whether you're not right so and and, and I, ch- I choose to continue the hunt because it seems like a healthier thing to do like it's, yeah you know yeah. and it's it's a hell of a lot of fun too for sure yeah I, I mean I think sometimes I think that you can go down that road of like oh I'm just like as if I'm doing if I'm I, I don't want to come off as I, I hunt because it's charity to right the right Absolutely. no it's not I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy the process of it. I enjoy the social connection of it. I enjoy the mental, the physical challenge of it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy what I provide my family with. And I enjoy the excitement of, you know, I I will own that. I will own that 100%. Yeah. But there's also the downstream consequences, which are good. Yep. Right. Of hunting. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing that it's that good. Yeah. I could tell you right now, when I bring this deer home, Mm -hmm. especially to my boys, yeah, they're going to look at that rack or whatever and think it's great, but that they're not going to be able to wait until we get to cook some of this on the Right. They're, they're craving that all the time. I feed them. They love this stuff. Mm-hmm. They just love it. I mean, that's So you're supporting after. your family with it. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's yeah. I mean, we don't we don't do a lot of buying beef either. If my wife would like like the wild stuff a little more, we'd mm-hmm. probably never buy it, but me mm-hmm. and my boys could live on the mm-hmm. stuff that we hunt. That's a great absolutely. point too. That's a great like, as far as a father son thing, like you spend a lot of time with your boys doing. Oh, absolutely, it. yeah. That's a pretty. Uh, uh, you, um, you you can't you can't put a price tag on that. Like that's that's very valuable. Yep. 
they uh, they do the same as Iowa. I mean, we 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 eat so much of it that mm -hmm. and we all partake in this and spending the time with them in the woods mm -hmm. with friends and family. Uh, the whole the whole thing it, it's just it's irreplaceable. There's nothing else that that even compares to the time that you get to spend with them like that. Yep. Nothing. Yep. That's right. All right. So one last question, and we'll wrap it up. Um, describe the ideal healthy person. Like, what do you picture? This might be, like, kind of goals for yourself, or just, like, what do you think of, say, like, yeah, when you think of, like, a healthy person, what do you think of? Give me give me three things. A healthy person? Yeah. Like, what is most important? Like, like what is a... What do you have to achieve to become like to be a healthy person? What do you think? I think um, one was I, I think you have to be you have to become very self aware. I think you have to have a real level of self. I think you you have to be honest with yourself in a lot of ways. Um, you know, if you have limitations, you, you have to realize those limitations. Um, I'll tie this in with our conversation. I mean, I think this goes out of the realm of hunting in a lot of ways, but as a hunter, you know. You know, if, you, if you're not good at hiking or you're not good at doing these sort of things, you have to get better at those things. Right. You have to identify them and working work through those things. Yep. Um, I think the second one would be the way I value the measure of a person is their interpersonal connections of, like, how well they can get along with, with different people. And I think the way that you do that is through empathy, mm -hmm. I think, to understand other people and understand where they come from. Yep. Um, I think that we can certainly nowadays become very entrenched in our own ideas for sure you know yep but i think you do yourself a very um i think you do yourself as a person as a human being a disservice of not being able to empathize with the other type the, the other right. side um yep. you'd ask my question the question earlier about the love um who loves animals more hunters or vegan and i push back on the question because I want to empathize with the idea of a vegan. Like I understand, in a lot of ways, I, I really admire the vegan, not because they're not consuming the animal, but because of the discipline that it takes. Right. That's a huge amount of discipline to be become a vegan. Right. right. I mean, that, that is not an easy thing to do. Right. And to stick to that, there, yep. there's a certain level of admiration that I have, mm -hmm. but it would also be comparable to the level of a hunter the guy that trains year-round to go out and harvest his meat right. to take that meat and to, you know, and to be able to process that and put it in his freezer. Right. You know, so the, I can tip my hat to a vegan, and I would hope that a vegan could tip their hat to me as well. Mm -hmm. um, so those two things, um, boy, a third would just be, I don't know what, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with a third. I mean, to just be a good person. I, I, you know, it's funny. You're picking completely like mental and emotional aspects. Yeah. It's not not a critique, but like that's, I could see those as priorities for sure. I think they are. Yeah. Okay. Where were you thinking I would go with? I that? thought you were gonna go physical, like what, like in terms of like what you like. I think if you, and, and I, I think I, if like you're, what you brought up is amazing. <laughs> I think if if you're a strong mental person, the physical will follow. Okay, a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that if mentally you are self-aware, if mentally you, you're not living a good lifestyle, whether it's partaking in maybe you know, I don't know, wh whether you drink too much or eat too much or whatever yep. it is, if you're mentally healthy and you can identify those issues. And have the mental fortitude to change those issues. The physical will follow. The physical, if you have, it will follow. Okay. And that's, I go back to the vegan again. I mean, the mental fortitude to be able to follow that course, yep. to me, is admirable. Right. Very admirable. Yep. In a lot of ways. Yep. So. And you're, if you're capable of being disciplined that well, yeah, you're probably a, healthy in, in a lot of other ways. It's an extreme level of discipline. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for sure. it's an extreme level of discipline. Mm -hmm. So I think that I could sit down with a vegan and debate the idea of animal suffering that's being caused, mm -hmm. but the level of discipline on what we do, I think would be comparable. Okay. I think there's, I think there, there is a level ground. I think we could meet and see eye to eye on that. For sure. Okay. You know, So, so as far as the third point, I, I don't think we need to add one if there's one that you can't come up with. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I mean, 
I mean, th there's a lot in there, right? I, I just brought yeah, up sure. two points, yeah. you know, and but I think those are really the measure of a person, right? I mean, to be able to do that, I, I just think the idea of just, you know, just be just be good with yourself and just be self-aware and realize, you know, don't don't be too stubborn to change and empathize with everybody. You know, I just I don't know. Where we're at with it as a country right now, that's what I want to say. That's, that's like my – we could, we could do another right. like four hours, but right. that's what we need to do. We, we need to be able to see the other side, and, and I want to do that. And, wow. and as a hunter, I want to stand on the ground, and I want to look, and I want to say, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. You know, And I think yeah. – I don't know. We, we've talked a lot this week about where we think we're going as a country and yep. where it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to extend this podcast out any longer. Right. But – the idea is is it really comes from a lot of lack of this, a lot of lack of long-form conversation and really trying to understand something that's not jive with what you're doing mm -hmm. currently. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't think this podcast would go there, <laughs> but I'm really glad it did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah. No, thanks I really for appreciate me. it. Um, you've been listening to the Health Aspect Podcast. I'm Brad Lockwood. Uh, this has been Brian Johnson and my cousin, Brian. Um, if you'd like to check out any more information, go to lockwoodlawns.com. Um, that's where the podcasts are posted. Um, and more info, more information about the business that I run is, is hosted on that website as well. So thank you very much, everyone. Take care.